0: It is my pleasure to introduce Dr. Steve Shama. Dr. Shama is a physician who is no stranger to the SDPA, both in his writings in the JDPA and the Difference We Make section, as well as past conference lectures that he's presented before. Dr. Shama has been practicing dermatology at the New England Deaconies Hospital and Beth Israel Deaconies Hospital Medical Center for over 25 years. He has lectured on dermatology to national and local audiences for the last 20 years. But it's in the last 15 years that he has dedicated his work to his passion, the joys of medicine and the joys of life. As an international keynote speaker and workshop facilitator, Dr. Steve's topics have include rediscovering the joys of medicine, how to live with doctor because they're not easy to live with, how to have an unforgettably positive office visit, the art of giving fearless, passionate presentations, and dealing with difficult people and patients and looking forward to it. Today's talk is entitled, The Truest Gift is a Simple Act of Giving, and is inspired by the stories of Dr. Steve Shama's life. Dr. Steve is thrilled and delighted to be here today, so without further ado, Dr. Steve Shama.
1: Thank you, Travis. Thank you very much. Any questions so far? Is it all clear? Do I have to say any more words? I'm telling you one day that I will be giving a talk. I'll be introduced. I'll sit here in front of you, and I will just look at you, and you'll look at me for about 15 minutes. I'll send out the energy that all of us need. You'll send that energy back to me, and I'll just say after 15 minutes, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much. Words get in the way. They really do, but we're mere mortals, and so we have to talk, so forgive me for talking. I have lots of stories to tell you from my life. They're all true stories, although every great story deserves exaggeration. So if I tend to exaggerate a little bit, you won't know it anyway, so just enjoy it, all right? It's April 1st, 2008. It's my birthday. The night before, actually, I'm sitting in bed and I'm saying, boy, tomorrow's gonna be a great day. Wonderful day. Because tomorrow is my birthday. So I took a deep breath and went to sleep and realized tomorrow was gonna be a great day. Tomorrow comes, I'm waking up. Now, I'm allowed to wake up at 6.20 every morning, according to my wife. Not six o'clock, which would be lovely for me because I can get into my office earlier and prepare for the day. But this day, the clock wakes me up at 6 o'clock. I turn around, and my honey's there, and she says, Happy birthday, sweetheart. I said, Ooh. I said, Is it 6.20? She said, No, it's 6 o'clock when you like to go. I said, Okay. What's going on here? What did you do with my wife? Where is she? Breakfast is served eggs, sausage, all kinds of fruits and vegetables, but also the kinds of things that are very, very fattening, elevated cholesterols. And I'm saying, why is this happening? She says, sweetheart, once a year, this is my present to you. I said, again, I say, what have you done with my wife? Where is she? And so I enjoy the breakfast, and I can walk to my office. I get to my office, and I realize this is going to be a special day. It's already started great. My wife has promised me gifts and gifts and surprises throughout the entire day. I like this day. Get to my office, everyone arrives. And so I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And they say, "Uh, you look like you're expecting something. And I said, well, is it your birthday today? Yes, well, happy birthday. And with that, I start to see patients until the noon hour. At noon, my office staff all leave for lunch. Now that's a traditional time when we have birthdays and we celebrate them. So I figured, uh uh-oh. What's going on? Must be something special happening. So I wait a few minutes and no one comes back in and no birthday cake, no happy birthday, no nothing. No presents, no special food. And so I start dictating some charts and doing about my job. I said, I don't know what's going on, but maybe my wife's gonna show up. Who knows what's happening, but something better happen quick. About five minutes later, I hear some rustling in the hallway and I said, aha. And all of a sudden, the gifts arrive, my wife comes in, all the people say happy birthday, they give me hugs. I get food from the office. I figured, uh, who's paying for this? It's of course me anyway, but that's okay. That was just an odd in my life. You know how you figure it's a present, but someone else, you're paying for it, but it was okay. And I said, you know, this is such a wonderful afternoon, such a wonderful lunch. Good food, nice presents, balloons, you know, happy birthday, Stephen, all that kind of good stuff. I figured, I don't want this to end. And it's going to end at 1 o'clock. We start another group of patients. So I, I, I said it out outwardly. I said, you know, like, ah, I wish we had a lighter day today. Surprise! We have four patients scheduled, and they don't start until 2 o'clock. First, I said, hmm, money. Then I said, ah. I gave myself a gift at that moment in time, and so did they, they continued to give me beef. Of course the four patients who came and wondered what was happening, but of course it was very obvious when they sat in my office, there was a big thing saying happy birthday, Stephen. So they all congratulated me. The day went on, I went home, and of course my wife made me a special meal. Our kids are older than you are, they're 27 and 29, so they were out of the house already. I assume most of you are under 30, is it true? But they did call and they wished Daddy a happy birthday. And my wife promised me special things, you know. She made a little fire. She made the fire, even though it was a little bit kind of on the warm side in Naples. She made a fire so she can tell me she could make a fire. And then she gave me a few more presents. And then it was about 9 o'clock, and I usually go to sleep about 9, 9.30. And then after that, I cannot tell you what happened, uh, okay? <laughs> but it was very nice, and it had been a long time. That was my birthday. I went to sleep. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Then of course the morning came. And as I awoke, I realized it was April 2nd. It wasn't my birthday anymore. And I thought about all the wonderful gifts that I got and the people had said hello to me. The people cared about me and gave me hugs. And I said to myself, and I'll never forget it, I only wish every day were my birthday. Why can't every day be my birthday? Why can't people give gifts as if it were your birthday all the time? And why can't I treat you as if it were your birthday all the time? Gifts come in all kinds, of shapes and sizes. The tangible gifts, the words that you use, and then the special piece that I'm going to talk to you about in just a moment. And I only wish that every day were my birthday. It cannot be, but you can actually turn it into a birthday by sending out positive energy. You may wonder, what does this have to do with dermatology? It has to do with connecting with people. You know, John Koo this morning said, the biggest thing you have is empathy. The biggest thing you have is trust. You make all the connections with people if they trust you and you are empathetic, and you care about them in addition to caring for them. Do you get the difference? If I care about you, I'm certainly going to care for you. But caring about you means caring about everything about you, as opposed to just the disease that you have, the broken part, which I have been trained to fix, I'm a fixer. No joy in fixing, by the way, no joy in fixing. Healing, joy, no joy in fixing. So I thought to myself, I said, what gifts can I give back to dermatology? I mean, it's a great profession. Money is reasonable, time is good, get out about five, six o'clock at night, low stress, and I'm surrounded by patients who trust me and colleagues who teach me and friends who care about me. Isn't it time that I should give back in some way, some gift to the world, to dermatology, to something? And I thought about the different ways you can give a gift. Gifts are tangible, as I mentioned. They're words, words of appreciation. And the last thing that I realized, and I'll tell you a story towards the end of this talk, is the intention to give a gift. The gift is never given. It's the intention to give it. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Sweet. Think about that, because what I'd love you to do today as I'm talking is to think about someone that you really should be giving a gift to, whether it's a tangible gift, whether it's a word of appreciation, or at least the intention to give the gift. Think about someone as I talk, because I'm actually going to have you come up to the mics in just a little while, anonymously, if you like, okay? I'm not going to tell you who I am, where I am, but I'd like to appreciate so-and-so, okay? It'd be very, very lovely if I heard that. I'd die be here if you don't, okay? So please. Grown man should not die. Let me talk to you about tangible gifts. They're very, very simple. Smith- it's easy for me to say these words. Tangible gifts, number one, in your office. So we're related to dermatologists so you can get your CME credits or whatever else you wanna get, okay? Tangible gifts, simple things. Like, um, like if someone, if you're very late and you give someone $5 to get out of the parking lot because they're late, that's a tangible gift. That's cool, right? It'd be nice. You can give someone a product that you have, maybe a sunscreen, if they're just nice. Not nice to you, but just nice. That'd be a gift too, wouldn't that be a reasonable gift? Now, there are some gifts that are on my walls. They happen to be words, but they're tangible things that I have. Let me just read you one thing over there. Oh, actually, I have a bunch of things on my walls. So when I'm a little bit delayed, people can read, read the walls and appreciate life besides broken parts, right? One of the signs of it there, we have copies of all these things is, um, if good isn't working, try outrageous, okay? Why not? And I give them a copy of those kinds of things if they like. I say, Dr. Shama, can I write that down? I said, you don't have to write it down, I have a copy of it. There's something else I have on the wall over here, and I'm going to read this to you because these are just gifts that you can give your patients. They're tangible things in addition to words, but specifically tangible. This is called the final analysis. It's not by Mother Teresa, but apparently it's on the, on the wall of Mother Teresa's home in Calcutta to the children of Calcutta. All right. People are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you're kind, people may accuse you of selfish or ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you're successful, you win some false friends and some true enemies. Succeed anyway. If you're honest and frank, people may cheat you. Be honest and frank anyway. What you spend years building, someone may destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, they may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today, people will often forget tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you've got. And it may never be enough. Give the world you've got the best you have anyway. You see it in the final analysis, it's never between you and them, it's between you and God anyway. That's stuff that I give my patients if they're interested in reading the walls, if they're waiting a minute or two if I'm delayed. I want to give them gifts like that. And I want to tell you a sweet story. Can we lower this mic just a bit? Because I'm actually hearing this twice, and actually I'm having a good time hearing me talk twice, but aha, okay. This is called Depends true story. I'm walking in and out of two offices about three days ago, or rather two, two rooms, seeing patients, and I'm smelling something coming from somewhere. Now, whenever you smell an odor, it was really an odor from somewhere, you try to detect it quick, and whoever it is, you open up a window and do something. Out of respect for the patient, out of respect for other patients. And I realize it's coming from the waiting room. Some person over there, lady, is just incontinent and she just is just not doing the right thing for the office. And to be polite, I told my office staff, I said, you know what, I don't know when her office visit is, her time, but can you please get her into a room? Just usher her in very gently and just figure out what's going on so at least we can put her in the room, air out the room, and take care of things. Small office staff does that, and about three hours later, after I was in the room and realized, wow, this is really kind of something significant, um, I found out the real story. She was a woman in her 70s, was on Medicare, and she had depleted all her funds because she was sick with who knows what. And she couldn't get anything to mop up the urine that she was incontinent from. She couldn't get Depends. One of my office staff, one of the ladies, figured this out real quick and gave her $10 of her own money to buy Depends. She didn't know what to say. The end of the story is I gave my office staff the $10, but she wasn't looking for it back. That's the kind of people I love to have in my office. People who will go out of their way to make someone feel comfortable, spending their own money not expecting it to be. My office staff gave that lady a gift, $10, and actually it was the spirit of it. So gifts come in different ways, spirit too. That was my depend story. Cute story. One other thing I'll suggest for you to do. I don't believe I don't believe I have to make extra money by selling products. So there's one particular product that's available that is a prescription medication, but is a cosmetic medication to lighten the skin. We can buy it for seventy dollars. Drugstore sell it for buck forty. All right. So I sell it for a hundred, and I save the patient forty bucks, and I'm making a profit of thirty dollars. Right. So what do you think I do with the profit? I give it away to Camp Discovery, the American Cancer Society, breast cancer research. Derm Foundation. I don't need what I make. It's too much. Life has given you too much of a gift, as far as I'm concerned. Try to turn around the kinds of opportunities that life gives you into true gifts to your patients in that way, specific money opportunities. How about colleagues? How can you give a gift to a colleague? You know how many times you might call? Because you all were talking about this. You call the doctor, you know, the, the doctor who's supervising you in, right? Now, he or she is very, very nice because they're paying you, but let's assume you had to call an outside doctor. Maybe you know someone's number. You always call Dr. So-and-so or Dr. So-and-so or who knows what to get an outside consult. You can email them and within about a half an hour, an hour, maybe the next day, they're saying, this is what I'd like to do, this is what's happening, this is the answer, this is what the diagnosis is. And you say, thank you so much, thank you so much, email and send. How many times do you do that? Who've done that, who has done that, who has a person out there, right? Okay, and all the rest are just thinking about it but realizing they should raise their hand too, right. What's it worth? What's it worth to make your life easier, to really take care of that patient? Is there a money value that you can give? I've decided there is a money value. I won't tell you how much I give, but when I talk to one of my colleagues and I say, this is Steve Shama. I have a patient with Hidratna Separativa. She's miserable, miserable for 15 years. Do you have any suggestions so I can really help her out? She's expecting a phone call from me in about 24 hours. Dear Steve, this is what I would suggest. Remicade, or whatever it happens to be, you know. And all of a sudden I say, hey, cool, this a moose. You know? This is cool. Dear Dick, thanks very much. I'm making a contribution of Dash to Camp Discovery in your honor. The American Academy sends a note to Dr. To Dick, to Dr. Dick and says, Steve Sham has just given you, given Camp Discovery a certain amount of money. He doesn't mention the, the amount, by the way, in your honor for helping out in whatever. Do you understand what's happening out there? We take so much for granted, so many opportunities to give gifts back to the universe, tangible gifts, money gifts. Get 15 bucks, I'm not talking about $150 a pop, but let your colleagues know that every time they answer an email from you, wouldn't it be nice to give them back the money, in some way, shape, manner, or form? Do you realize how overwhelmed Camp Discovery would be and how they would have an endowment overnight if all of us did that with just one week? How many times are going back and forth? $25, $50, they really make a difference. And, and feel about it just as if you took a breath and say, wow, that really helped out. How much was that? Whew, that really helped me out. It saved me a weekend of figuring out all that kind of stuff that that young lady was talking about just before the noon hour, you know, that Crest syndrome, that, 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 that mixed connective tissue disease. What happens if Rick Sondheimer actually answered your email and said, hey, what I think you have is this. Would have saved her a whole weekend preparing this talk. What's it worth? What's a weekend of your life worth? A gift, right? a gift. Think about it. I've been around for about 30 years in dermatology. The only thing I don't want to do is die on a job. In between patients, one day. In between patients, one day, I'm having little index cards, and I had a moment to breathe, and I, I don't know what got me into this, but I just put down over here. I don't want to die on the job, you know. Now, if I, if I flipped over right now, here, right, this would be perfect, all right. I love dermatology. Don't get me wrong, but I don't want to die on the job. We can talk about that later, during the reception, whatever, whatever that means, you know. I love it but not loving enough to die there, right. That good? So tangible gifts, gifts that uh, really make a difference and t- tips to colleagues. Now, um, I'm gonna make a transition over here because you see gifts are, are, again, tangible gifts, specific things you can say, this was worth $5, this was a gift, this was a sweater. And some people say, well, you know, that's a gift, but it wasn't exactly the right color. I like soft, like, you know, mo- not mohair, but I mean, I like cashmere as opposed to mohair, but thank you so much. You know? And so often, sometimes gifts can't be, can't be recognized because Depends wasn't exactly what she wanted, you know. She wanted $15, Depends, plus she wanted to go out to eat. Who knows what? I don't know what. So the point is that gifts, you know, have a kind of a limitation in terms of the person who, who, to whom you're giving it. Let me give you an idea of what happens sometimes. There's a drug rep from one of the major companies who was the best drug rep in the entire country. And she was given a trip to Hawaii, all-expense-paid trip to Hawaii, beautiful hotel with her husband, the whole business, you know, nothing at first-class service. So she's telling me that, and she, so I saying, but you don't sound excited. She says, how can I be excited? I have three kids, you know. I mean, first prize would be a week in Hawaii, and second prize would be two weeks in Hawaii. I want to be home with my kids. Give me a week off with pay. That would have been a gift. Why didn't anyone ask me? Interesting. Chair of a meeting, you know, guy or gal has been working the whole year as president of a society, and the chair comes up and said, Fred, you're going to dinner with the entire committee. That's our big gift to you. Gavel and all that, but tonight we're taking you out to dinner. Fred was expecting to go home with his wife and kids. Did anyone ask Fred what a real gift would have been? How about a quiet night with his wife with some money for a babysitter rather than the committee? First prize is a dinner with the committee. Second prize is two nights at dinner with the committee. By the way, you know how to pick a committee? This is how to pick a committee using the smile technique. If you're telling me, Dr. Steve, about a committee that you want me to join and you're continuously describing it and after about 30 seconds I'm not smiling, I don't pick it. That's the smile technique, okay? Everything around has got to make you smile. Isn't that right? Now, I know it doesn't have to necessarily all the time because you guys and gals are young enough that you've realized I have to put in my time, but let me tell you something. There's enough time to do all those kinds of things. Pick the things that make you smile, committees especially. It's got to make you smile. Why didn't they ask? Why didn't they ask me if that would been an appropriate gift for me, especially if they're spending so much time and money? on whatever the gift happens to be. I am reminded by a quote in my office that says this simply over the water fountain, the best things in life aren't things. Hmm. But I was brought up in Brooklyn, New York. Every time I was rewarded, I got a thing. Whatever the thing was, American Trier electric trains. It was a thing. It was a piece of pie, a thing. Be a pair of pants, a thing. But I'm hearing the best things in life are not things. So what else could it be? Maybe it's different than things. How about words of appreciation? Just words, you're a nice person. You're kind, you're caring, you're compassionate. Wouldn't that be nice? But are words strong enough? May I suggest they're more powerful than the thing because the thing may not be the right color, the right shade, the right texture, the right anything else. So how do you pick words? What do you do? Mark Twain had a quote I can live two months with a good compliment. And he was right, just saying something nice to somebody. Simple enough. It's not a formal gift, it's not tangible, but it can go a long, long way, a long, long way. I want to tell you a story about a transition between words that has to do with a gift too, all right? This is a story that is not mine. It is a story that Frances Litauer, a woman named Frances littower who's a spiritual and spirited person, professional speaker, There's a tape called Silver Boxes, and it goes something like this. Frances Lithauer was in church one day, and the church people knew that she was a professional speaker, and they wanted her to entertain the children. Of course, they didn't tell her that. They wanted her to give a talk. Of course, they didn't tell her that. So at that moment in time in church, Frances is asked to give a talk to the kids. The kids are going to get separated, and something inspirational. Well, since you're a professional speaker, you always have some stories of some sort, some way, somehow. And so she took the kids out to the side Without the congregation And she thought of this particular quote That happened to be in her mind And it's from the New Testament One of the books, Ephesians Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth But that which is good and can edify That it may minister grace unto the healer Alright, so let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth So don't say naughty words, okay But that which is good and can edify, can build up, that it may minister grace, a good feeling, or maybe a gift unto the hearer. So she's talking to the kids, and one of the little girls comes up to her, and she says, you know, I gave my mommy, instead of saying something, mommy, I love you, I made a silver box with a bow on top. That was my way of telling mommy I love her. And Frances talks about all the kinds of things she should have done, would have done, could have done with her family when she didn't do the kinds of things that were inspirational and true appreciation and all the things that she did do. The opportunities that she had to give someone the silver box with a bow on top. Very, very sweet story. You can probably buy it from Frances for about 7 or $8 of her tape. She's a great professional speaker, absolutely great. Wonderful-spirited lady. A gift, a silver box with a bow on top a gift of appreciation. Transition from gifts to simple words of appreciation. What I want you to do is to visualize, visual box, little silver box with a bow on top. This is on my desk in my office, not this one. There's a little one that I have. I made this one up specially because I figured it would be big enough for audience who wouldn't see it. This is the one that's on my desk, okay? okay? So close up, this one, all right? This reminds me every time I'm talking to someone to make sure that I send out words of appreciation, all right? And it happened one day too long ago. Let me tell you that story. I'm very, very active in the Dermatology Foundation. You know, this is a major nonprofit organization of the American Academy of Dermatology, or it's not part of the American Academy, Forgive me, but it's a part of the academy of sorts of all of us that gives huge amounts of money into dermatology research. And I have done, I've helped them train people, physicians, to call other physicians to ask for $1,500 bills. So I do a difficult person workshop. Who do you think the difficult person is? The physician on the other end of the line, all right? So to inspire us, to the reasons why we want people to give to the Durham Foundation, they hired, or didn't hire actually, they, they, they invited Dr. Tom, a major researcher from the United States in dermatology research, who had been around for about 30 years, and actually got his start through the Durham Foundation grant. And he came to all of us, he came to wherever we were for our meeting, and after I had told people about how to deal with difficult people, Dr. Tom explained why he was so grateful to be in dermatology and how successful he had been because of the American Academy uh, s- supporting him or the Durham Foundation supporting him. And he said that after all of the years, he's never forgotten his grant, and that he realizes that he has to be kind and caring and compassionate to his workers and also the patients he treats. So he left us with that. He thanked us very much for the support years ago and hoped he would do the same thing. So that was the year and then I was coming back to give another talk about how to deal with difficult people to another group of guys and gals, physicians, dermatology colleagues of mine, to call the next group of physician friends, friends out there to ask for $1,500 bills. And I wanted to get inspired myself because I give this talk every year. Not this one, but that particular talk to the guys and gals, how do you ask for money? And so I called Dr. Tom up and I, and I, I, I tried to get through to him. But this, I'm sure he's very, very busy. I said, this is Steve Shama. You gotta get me through, it's very, very important. And so I said, well, Dr. Sam, is it an emergency? I said, not an emergency, but it's really important that I speak to him because I wanted to get this because I was leaving on a plane tomorrow. And so I finally get through Dr. Tom, and um, he sounds hastily. He says, this is, a, this is Dr. Tom, or Tom. And he said, uh, what's happening? What's wrong, Steve? And I said, no, no nothing wrong. I, I just want to thank you very much for your talk that you gave a year ago at the, at the Durham Foundation because it was so inspirational. You said this, this, and this, and you worked this up, and none of us ever forgotten it. And I have to inspire these guys and gals now. I'm leaving tomorrow for another session, and I remember your words, and I will remember your words, and I will tell them your words. And he said, well, that's, that's great. He said, so what would you call for? I said, no, no that's it. I, I called just to compliment you, to thank you. For, for doing all these kinds of things for us. I never forgot it. He said, Steve, I, you know, I, I'm overwhelmed. You know, like, I'm a busy guy around here, but uh, I can't remember the last time someone just called me to tell me thank you. Well, I, I, I accepted. it. I thank you very much. So what would you call for? And I said, Tom. I said, that was it. He said, you mean you call me just because? And I said, yeah, just because. I said, we need a holiday called just because. And I... Plunk. He got it. When was the last time you just called someone and said thank you for being a person, for being caring, compassionate, kind? When was the last time you just picked up the phone when you were feeling good about someone where a patient said, you know, Dr. So-and-so didn't know what to do with me, said you were wonderful, but he's so wonderful himself. I figured he could figure it out, but he was so nice to send him to you. What would you, what would you do? I know what you do. It's Friday afternoon. Over the weekend, you dictate a note. Dear Dr. So-and-so, your patient was seen by me and I figured it out. Thank you very much for referring her, my best wishes. That would be what you do, wouldn't it? That's what most of us do. You know. Thank you very much for this kind referral. She's a very, very lovely lady. You don't know if she's lovely. You don't know that, but you say it anyway. Anyway, what about picking up the phone and say, look, <laughs> formal letter to follow, but this is Steve Shama. I just want to tell you that you're a great guy. It is great to be in your presence. How many people do you know out there that are like that? How many patients? How many colleagues? Stop. How many people in your life? How many pets who make you happy? Not that your wife or husband's a pet, okay? But how many spouse, friends? Think about them right now. Write them down. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Who would you love to just give a call right now and say those words to? Or if you had a gift, would you give them a gift? Just put it down. I can think of five guys and gals, I would tell you right now. And I sometimes spontaneously send money in support of them to Camp Discovery and Durham Foundation because I'm just happy to hear their voice. Even when I don't hear their voice, it's in here. Give them a the gift of some sort, of appreciation, of being alive, of making my life better. Do you thinking about someone? Is there someone that you should have been nicer to? who perhaps you took a silver box away from rather than gave them one. I mean, I won't even tell you how I raised my kids, how I raised my kids. My wife is all giving and hugging and, 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 and there's no criticism, everything is great. Now, not everything is great, but I mean, that's her motto. I'm just looking at the broken parts because that's the way I was trained. Just looking at broken parts. You didn't do this, you got that. Look at your ripped ripped, uh, ripped uh, pants, you know. Your hair is not combed right, you know. Whew threw their silver box away. And if you gave them a silver box one day, you just took it away by those comments. Why do we do it? Why do we do it? Because we want to make them stronger. Tough for this world out there. It's a negative world, we want to be tough. Is it necessary to take away silver boxes with bows on top for that reason? Do we have to train people like that? Do we have to live in that kind of environment for that kind of happen? So what can we do to appreciate even more of those kinds of people? Is there any set? Is there any way of looking at life? I'll suggest at least one way is to send positive energy rather than negative energy. Be curious, not critical of people when they come in with a broken part, okay? Curious is a kid's way of approaching life. It's not critical, like, boy, that's a broken thing. I'm going to figure out how that works. But wow, I wonder why that's not working. I wonder. They're in a state of wonder. Wonder. You are wonderful. It is full of wonder. You are full of wonder. I'm wonderful. It's so wonderful to be around you. It's so full of wonder to be around you. That's what the word means. A gift. A gift of word. A gift of appreciation. Why do we do it? Why do we take away these silver boxes with bows on top from people? Why don't we send more of them out there? More transitions. transitions. Why do we do it? It is William James, the great psychologist, who said, perhaps the greatest need in people is to be appreciated. Perhaps the greatest need is to be appreciated. You know, there's an expression, you only live to love and be loved. Love and be loved. If you look at every universe that you're doing right now, you live to love and be loved. Simple, straightforward. To be appreciated and to appreciate. That's all it is. If you sign it up like that, and if you're loving people every day, you're doing your work. You're doing your exact work. Why don't we do it? I asked some of my colleagues, why don't you, why don't you call someone up? Why don't you do it? Here are some of their responses, okay? I'm too busy to call up. It's a negative world. I'm not going to compliment someone on something. I'm just working on the broken parts. I'm in a survival mode. I'm just trying to make ends meet. I've got no time to call people up. I'm just looking for broken parts. I'm always out of the moment. I'm never in the moment. I'm always thinking about the next thing or the person that was on. If I were in the moment, then I'd be complimenting people, but I'm never in the moment. Who cares? It makes me uncomfortable to compliment people. Any of these sitting home? You don't have to raise your hand for that one. Efficiency, that's what I'm looking for. No efficiency in a compliment, just working hard. But if you do compliment someone, you know how most physicians and people like, you know, physician assistants and maybe nurse practitioners will do it? They'll say, you're a very wonderful person, send at night. Or give them a call in their voicemail at night. You know why night? This way you don't have to talk to them when they say thank you so much. Because you're embarrassed, you're uncomfortable. Do it during the daytime. Interrupt their office hours. You know what a gift you'd give them? We doing okay so far? Yeah. I'm having a good time over here, and I don't hear my voice, which is actually, I'd love to hear my, I'm not, no. My son gave me a birthday card recently, all right? This was last 2001, all right? Let me read it to you. Josh is apparently, he's a standard lovely, loving person, okay? So he wrote me, he didn't write me, he, he bought a card that's standard, okay? On your birthday, Dad, I want to thank you for teaching me many things like money doesn't grow on chickens before they hatch, the early bird gets the job done worth doing, okay? And two wrongs don't make a penny earned, okay? And you thought everything you said went in one ear and walked a mile in their shoes. Have a good day, Dad. Okay, that's Josh. I love him dearly. He's less original than my daughter, Julie, who actually makes up a card over here with, somehow she got a picture of me and her together, okay? And puts a little happy birthday sign on it and then sends me this written thing. Now normally, you know, I'll tell you a trick with speakers. Speakers can make you look like they're looking at the card but they actually have it all printed, big words, you know? But I, if I did it, I wouldn't be touched by her words. So I'm gonna put my glasses on over here and read her in, in her own words of it, this is her actual card, at least a copy of the actual card. Daddy, happy birthday. Better late than never, right? She sent it about five days late. I love you because you're always here for me and you're always there for me. You've taught me how to be kind, giving, and loving. You've shown me how to follow my heart and stop at nothing to fill it. You've given me my creative juices and influenced me every day of my life with your knowledge of the world. Now, this is not to praise me, forgive me. I I didn't realize it could sound that way, but I really mean it. You never let me down and do whatever you can to lift me up. You make me smile when I hear your voice and you tell me how much you love me. You support me no matter what and believe in me when I don't believe in myself. I love you too much. You're one and only daughter. Oh, yes, Daddy, please don't forget to send the rent check. (laughs) I don't know if she wrote that, but I thought it was great because she does ask for money every once in a while. Um, How do we send positive energy? We just be not critical anymore. I promise you will find all of the weird things in dermatology, the cases that presented like that. We're just shutting up and listening. The universe will tell you whatever it needs to tell you if you just shut up and listen. All right? You'll know that you may not know something because you didn't learn it, but you know you don't know it, and you can look in the books or ask someone about it. So when you're not trying to be too smart. Just sound positive energy. In other words, don't send out, I want to fix you. I want to be healing with you. And somehow the vibrational forces will work, I promise. You're all all. Wonderful people. You're all smart. I have to tell you this. I'm going to kind of break the fourth wall over here, so to speak, if you're given an acting, whatever. Else. This is not an act. But um, I've never seen a group of people so animated, so inspired, so joyful, and so happy in dermatology as you. This happened in Nashville also. I was addressing you, and, you know, like hours before, you're here at 715 for a 745 touchdown. You touch off, you know, kick off. I mean, I don't understand it. Why are you here so early? Do you like each other or something like that, you know? If I were to talk to the American Academy of Dermatology, there'd be a bunch of guys over here at 7.45. The rest would show up about 7, you know, uh, I don't know, 7.51 or something like that. And then they keep on straggling until I'm just about finished. And then tell them what they missed It was wonderful. Do you realize you're different and wonderful? You are, I've given you the perspective of someone's who been in dermatology for 28 years, I'm not knocking the guys and gals who are dermatologists out there. I'm just saying you're different. And patients appreciate the difference. There's an expression I shared with Travis when we were talking a little while ago that assuming you're competent in what you're doing, I would rather be a person who's incidentally a doctor than a doctor who's incidentally a person. People relate to people. Make no mistake about it, they do not relate to degrees. They relate to people. They would trust you more because you're you rather than who you profess you're you. Don't profess anything but you. They can never knock you for that. They can never knock you for that. I'm gonna tell you one one little story over here and we got a couple more stories. I hope it's still entertaining for you. There's something called Costello syndrome. Costello syndrome is a syndrome which little kids are born with a genetic defect. They've isolated actually the, the exact gene where they're born with a little patch of eczema, different parts of the skin, which you can miss. They have a kind of an unusual face, and they also, unfortunately, get renal cancers at a relatively young age and probably succumb to it unless you're aware that this is gonna happen, Costello syndrome. This is not for an exam, All right, it happens to be. So with the New England Derm meeting a couple of years ago, we walk into a room, there's the parents, and there's a little kid, seven-year-old kid. And, um, you know, I usually greet the children, hi, you know, when you're looking at their skin. So he comes right up to me and says, hi, how are you? What's your name? Where do you live? You look nice today. And I'm saying, you know, I relate immediately to the kid because he's a nice, honest kid, loving kid. And I say, my name is Steve Shema. I'm here to look at your skin. Okay, you know. And so I look at the kid's skin. I realize there's nothing special but except a patch of eczema here and there, but there's a package that I'm missing, you know. Never heard of Costello syndrome before. Anyway, I go into the next room. Parents and a little kid. Kind of looks the same as the other kid. I walk up and he says, hi, how are you? What's your name? Where do you live? Same exact kind of routine. Loving energy, very innocent energy. So we go to the conference and there's a geneticist who's talking about Costello syndrome. And she talks about the axiom, she talks about the P, whatever chromosome is producing the kidney cancers and whatever else. And she's saying, one day we'll isolate that and we'll be able to take care of these kids so they don't have the kidney cancer perhaps one day. And so there's a, there's a, there's a guy in the audience who raises his hand, not me, who says, you know, they had an unusual affect. They were very uh, caring kids, just like the Down syndrome. And so the geneticist says, no, I've seen them all. They're different than the Down syndrome. There's a, there's a warmth to them that's different. And so what do you think I did? raise my hand. And what do you think I said? This was beautiful. It's innocence on my part. It's sending out positive. I says, what gene is for loving, please? Where have you isolated that gene? Is anyone working on the loving gene? Do you understand what we're doing? Here's a, here's a, a light, a candle for all the wars. What's the loving gene? Isolate that, isolate the RNA. And you know what you do? You give me some of it. I'll meet the Arabs somewhere. Uh, not the Arabs, forgive me, but I mean, you know, the bad people, the Taliban, whatever else I do. And we'll smear a little bit on them. I'll say, hello, I'm going to talk to you about a half an hour. Smear on the loving gene, and I'll talk to him in about a half an hour. I mean, we know to manipulate the bad things. Why don't we manipulate the good things? Costello syndrome, sending out positive energy rather than negative energy. So who is working on that? Do we ever work on kids who love? Does anyone understand why Down syndrome kids are so sweet and adorable? Why don't we look for those things? Obviously, I'm a little bit more excited than I thought about this. But you understand what I'm talking about. Why don't we do these kinds of things? Where is it in us that we don't think about that? I'm going to stop for a moment. And what I'd love you to do is think about someone you need to thank. Who might it be? Who out there? Is there someone you want to give a call to and say, you know what? I've just been touched by some words. Would love to call you up and say you're a sweet person. I want to bring back a special gift from from San Francisco. (laughs) I don't know the color of it, don't know the shade, but you're gonna love it. And if you don't love it, enjoy the words. But there's something even greater than words. There is the intention. That goes right to the soul. Let me tell you a story. It's 1997. True story. And I've been hired to do 14 workshops for the VA hospital system in California. San Francisco was one of them, Los Angeles, and I went down the track. It was a two-week course. Some of them in, in, uh, this was the difficult person workshop to the VA people to make them nicer. They were actually beautiful people, lovely people, but we did difficult situations. You know, a vet comes in and is pissed off at the care that he's getting, and you know you have to be nicer to him. How do you do that? What do you say to him? To put him in his place, to set some boundaries, to give him love and energy, whatever it happens to be. I'm being touched by these people, but as a speaker, I go home and the holiday ends the holiday end, the Ramadan ends, the Ramadi. They're all the same. No one's taking care of Steve Sham, I'm taking care of everybody. So I'm lonely, a guy out there doing nothing. In the middle of the two weeks, it is the Hebrew New Year. Any Jewish guy outside of a temple is like gonna be struck down by God. Okay, that's what happens to Jews when they're not in the temple on Yom Kippur, the day of fast, the day of repentance, right? So I figure out how to get to a synagogue that's only a mile from my, uh, from my Ramada Inn. i got to pay a little bit. You know, Jews charge you for showing up to pray, okay? And so, um, and so I go to the synagogue over there with my ticket MasterCard and you know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, skull cap, yarmulke, you have to put on because it's a holy place. And this is a prayer shawl, all right? This is really a prayer shawl for my bar mitzvah many, many years ago. And so you sit there, and the rabbi will pray, and the audience will pray for six hours. Now, during the intermission, so to speak, there's no intermission, because you see, if you weren't praying, you'd be really, really hungry, because you're fasting, okay? And by the end of the fast, you break the fast whenever the sun goes down, so you fasted for 24 hours. So I'm praying and praying with other people over there in the congregation. I don't know them, but I feel at home. Not necessarily with the Jews, but it's just I'm, I feel home with people who are doing something in unison. And so then the rabbi comes up and um, he says, everyone please be seated, I want to make some announcements. And he talks about his typical kinds of things he's talking about. But I was in such a place that I was so touched by his words. He actually told a story about how the rabbi loved the IRS. What was happening at that point is he said, the IRS called me to, to, to tell me they want to investigate me and in all the driving I was doing that year, you know? And so he said, I realize that uh, I, I, I'm embarrassed. I'm a rabbi, and they're wondering if I'm not honest. So um, he, says, um, he says, I went to the IRS, but to prepare for it, I looked through my calendar. And I said, it's the best thing that they ever asked me to do. Because what I realized is January 1st, I uh, went to console Mrs. Schwartz. She had lost her husband. Two miles away. I went to Mrs. Klein who had just had a baby. Ooh, good stuff. Documented. Life. Whoops. Never did fall off when I was younger. And he goes on through the months telling you things. So he the rabbi he could have entitled it How the Rabbi Loves the IRS. How they made him think, which you never do. What do you do with those nineteen ninety-nine books? 2007 books of date books. You just put them in a thing where you throw them out. They're a piece of your, your life. Speeches you've given, people that you've talked to. Perhaps you write that down, events you've gone to. You've got to show up sometime and look at those kinds of things, review the year. So we thank the IRS. Then a number of people got up, as is traditional in Jewish things, and I think it happens in Catholic churches and churches around, is that when you want the congregation to pray for you, you just basically say what it's for birth of a child, cancer, and so on. Everyone got up as he pointed in that direction, and people would say, Mrs. Schwartz is sick with cancer, please pray for her. And he just went around the audience, and after a point, I was in tears. Tears were running down my cheeks. I was sobbing. I had no idea. Probably because I'd giving all these talks I was away. Who knows what was happening? And all I had was the talus, you know? So I'm going like this, and I'm very embarrassed because it's coming down my nose and everything else like that. And I'm making sounds, too. Right in front of me, there's a very, very lovely young woman who turns towards me. And she said, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm okay, but I mean, I'm touched by this rabbi so much. Is he always like this? And she says, yes, he is always like this. I said, oh, my God. So she hands me a bunch of tissues, and I went, and I said, thank you so much. You're very sweet. I'm a stranger in town, and I have no one. I'm here, and that's it. I'm a stranger in town. So she turns around. Three hours later, it's time to... um, we pray. We finish praying to God. Hopefully he was listening. And you take off the talus and the skull cap and whatnot, and I'm ready to leave. She turns towards me as she's leaving, and she hands me a piece of paper. And the piece of paper is rolled up like this. And on the piece of paper, it says this, Hi, my name is Mindy. Would you break the fast with me and my friends? Please call me by 6 o'clock. And she has a phone number over there, you know. Sweet angel. Absolute angel. And I said, uh, I just nodded yes. So I had her phone number, her name, and I was going to break the fast, which is a very, very wonderful thing to do. You basically eat with people after you've prayed and you know and repented. And so for the next three hours, I'm at home. I'm a happy guy, happier than I've ever been before because I'm a I'm a Jew away from home. I'm a guy who's talking, and all the holidayans look no, but to to, to to bill me for another thing, television thing, this this thing, whatever. Nobody cares about me except she did. So at six o'clock, I call her and I said, uh, you know. Bring ring her number, and it just says, Hi, this is Mindy. Please leave me a message, and I'll call you right back. Mindy, this is Steve Sham. I met you at the synagogue today. Remember, we were supposed to break the fast together. I'm right here. Here's the Ramadi Inn number. Clunk. 6.15, 6.30, I call her back. She doesn't call me. Hi, this is Mindy. Please leave a message. Hi, this is Steve Sham. I'm sorry. We must have gotten our signals crossed. Well, it went on for about an hour and a half, and then I realized it was getting dark. There was no Mindy. No Mindy. I broke the fast myself, went to a restaurant, sat there by myself, but I was a happy guy for three hours, real happy guy. So at 9.30 at night, the phone rings. I'm ready to go to bed, forget the whole thing. Stephen, this is Mindy. Where were you? I told you to call me by 6 o'clock. We had to go because when the sun sets, we have to break the fast. By 6 o'clock, not at 6 o'clock, I'm sorry we missed you. You don't know why it was so special. I said, why was it so special? But it was very, very nice thinking about doing it. She said, my mother died four months ago. And on her deathbed, she said to me, Mindy, do a mitzvah for me, a good deed, the last good deed that you'll ever do for me in my life, and then I can rest in peace. Do something good for a stranger. That would have been it. She said, Stephen, that was it. The greatest mitzvah is to break the fast with a stranger. And I said to her in that moment in time, I said, Mindy, you did it. It wasn't the gift of breaking the fast with you and your friends. It was your intention. You wanted to. Mindy, it's okay. Your mother can rest in peace. The gift has been given. The mitzvah has been delivered. That changed my life. I will never, ever forget it. It has nothing to do with the tangible gifts. It has nothing to do with the pens. It has nothing to do with the money. It has nothing to do with the shape or kind, whatever else it has. It has nothing to do with that. It is the intention. If the intention is pure, the soul knows nothing but purity and sweet intention. Now, as I thought about that, I realized, boy, if I go home from this trip and tell my wife, I really intended to buy me a really lovely, lovely thing for you. Can I get away with it? (laughs) I can save myself a lot of money. May I leave you with a word? It only works once. They don't believe it (laughs) if you use it twice. Sweetheart, I found this greatest gift but the store closed and I tried to get back to it the next morning and it was sold. You told me that last year, sweetheart, and I know the talk that you give, it's not working. Is there anything that you love? Anyone who would love to remind themselves about somebody out there? Someone you would love to give a gift to of some sort? Anybody who would love to say hello to someone who you really would love to appreciate? Are you thinking about somebody? Yeah. Anyone want to kind of... A pet? A dog who you've been mean to? A cat who probably doesn't care anyway? <laughs> I'm going to end here because my time is just about up. I I want to review things just very briefly. Gifts come in all sizes, shapes and colors, but they may not be the gift that somebody wants. If you give them words of appreciation, they may not be words that they can accept. You're a sweet person, but I'm not really sweet. You're kind, but I'm not really kind. I don't like those compliments. So they reject the gift. If you send out the energy, of the intention to give the gift, it will always, as I mentioned to you, go directly to the soul, and the soul only knows sweet intentions. So I leave you with this. I hope my words, I hope whatever words you've tangibilized, okay, into some little gift, if my words are what you leave with, then please enjoy them. But if it's neither of those things, please know that my intention was there to leave you with a wonderful gift. And the last thing I'll say is, that all speakers, when they get up over here, would love 100% of people to enjoy them and to say, yes, 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 I agree 100%. It's not possible. Just realize I'm just a guy walking on a dirt road after a heavy rain, kicking rocks and looking for salamanders and thinking about life. You guys are sweet. You gals are sweet. I love you all. Thank you so much. See you at the reception tonight and maybe even dinner afterwards. Remember, it's a lonely night. Lonely night for a speaker. Okay? Thank you very much.